In April, when businesses were forced to close during the coronavirus, many independent musicians and other industry workers who relied on live gigs for income didn't know when their next paycheck would be coming from. A group of them met virtually in April to discuss solidarity and ended up forming the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers, or UMA. Uh, though the group began by rallying behind the ex- of unemployment benefits under the CARES Act, it also took on other issues from labor relations to police abolition. The group is based in Rhode Island, but has more than 1,000 musicians across the country who have signed on to its petitions. Its most recent cause is for justice at Spotify. The $40 billion streaming platform pays artists less than a cent per stream, even as musicians are still unable to rely on income stream from live performances. Here to talk to us about Yuma is Liz Pelly, a journalist with the Independent News Magazine in these times, whose December 7th article on the issue outlined the demands of this group. Hi, Liz. Thanks for joining us this evening. Hey, thank you for having me. So how did you first hear about Yuma and what about it stuck out to you as being something that you wanted to share with readers? Sure. Yeah. Well, I had been familiar with some of the organizing that various members of Yuma um, had been doing over the past few years and also familiar with a lot of the artists who are involved in Yuma just through my own involvement in um, music communities over the years. So, um, you know, the the roots of uh, Yuma's organizing this year are uh, largely in the organizing that they did around um, the expansion of the CARES Act um, from March through May, um, as you mentioned, the letter writing and the day of action, the phone calls that they did. But even prior to that, a lot of the members of UMA had involved, been involved in various campaigns over the past few years. Like in 2017, some of the current members of UMA were involved in a campaign to hold South by Southwest, the music festival, accountable for a deportation clause that they had in their artist contract. And then last year, a lot of the, uh, some of the current members of UMA were involved in this organization called New Music for Ice, which was a, a group that was organizing artists to um, sort of agree to not work with Amazon until they cut their contract with ICE. So there are a lot of different um, musicians who are involved in UMA who have been involved in other examples of um, attempts at organizing musicians collectively over the past few years. Um, and as a journalist who mostly writes about, you know, a lot of the issues that artists face in the music industry today, um, these types of collective actions and collective organizing efforts are always really inspiring to me. And I think something that is really important to highlight, if we're going to highlight all of the issues and challenges um, that artists face in the music industry today, it's also really important to point to these um, examples of collective organizing as well. And what were some of the biggest fears that the musicians you spoke to for your article had? Well, I think that this year, particularly a lot of the artists that were involved in the initial um, organizing meetings of UMA were really concerned about like how are music workers and musicians going to be, um, you know, protected um, right now as, you know, all venues are closed because um, there, you know, there are a lot of different um, ways to be a musician and a lot of different um, sort of practices and um, 
situations that comprise like what it means to be a musician. Like, you know, some people who are musicians are full time classical players, for example, and they're employed by orchestras and they are, you know, become union members when they accept jobs. Um, some people who are musicians like self-record songs at their houses and they self-release cassettes and they don't have career um, ambitions related to music, but playing music is like an important part of the social fabric of their lives. And then there's also musicians who maybe don't have full-time music-related jobs, but they um, are making a living off of their music, but they're making a living from lots of different revenue sources, from recording, from touring, from maybe uh, maybe teaching or working at a venue. Um, and for those artists, um, because of the, the state of um, how artists, make money from recordings which is they make like very little money from recordings and streams um touring is their main revenue source so for the types of working freelance musicians that yuma um, represents when venues shut down in march um they found themselves in a situation where their main revenue source had been um, shut down so i think that um that was probably yeah like you know that was like one of the main reasons i think that this organizing which i think most members of MUA would agree that this is like a type of organizing that um you know needed to happen before the pandemic also but um now with touring not happening it became like even more urgent and what also seems unique about Yuma is that it's taking up other issues that aren't just coronavirus-related aid. They're looking to make systemic change throughout the industry. And one of those issues was the Spotify issue, which I know you've covered. But um, can you touch on that and a few of the other things that they're working towards? Sure, yeah. So when I interviewed Yuma, it was back in October. And at that point, they had been focused on this organizing around the, the CARES Act. Um, they also had created subcommittees and working groups around things like um, venue relations, police abolition, political education, and also one of the working groups that they have is a streaming working group. Um, so since the time of our interview, they've launched this campaign called the Justice of Spotify campaign, which has now become you know one of their um, so far, most successful and widely shared and discussed um, efforts. And basically, that campaign um, is a series of demands they're making with Spotify to, um, you know, pay artists fairly. They're also raising this other point where they're asking Spotify to adopt a user-centric payment model, um, which is different from the current model on Spotify, which is like a pro-rata model um, in which revenue is um, pooled and distributed to artists um, by how popular they are in the grand scheme of the artists on Spotify. And they're also asking Spotify to be transparent um, and to make their closed door contracts public um, to reveal and, and payola and to credit labor and recordings and also to end legal battles against artists. Um, so there's a lot of different demands that they're they're making, and um, you know, I think that why this is important is uh, this is one of the one of the first collective efforts to organize musicians around a um, 
structured set of concerns regarding the streaming economy and the state of, um, you know, how streaming affects artists' lives. Um, and a lot of the ways in which streaming affects artists' lives um, is financial, but it's also, you know, the way in which um, streaming tech um, sort of like atomizes and individualizes artists. And I think that one of the most important things that could be happening in this moment to sort of like push back against that is this type of, um, you know, collective organizing. Mm -hmm. And because of this political and political education element of UMA's work, it kind of stands out. Why is this kind of activism important in the music industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, in order to look at the, the state of the music industry and all the different sort of like labor concerns and um, media related concerns and um, other, there are, there are a lot of, a lot of the issues in the music industry are political concerns, basically. Um, and I think, like, for that reason, it's important for artists and also other music workers and people consider themselves members of music communities to understand the bigger picture of, like, political um, and economic context that music exists within. Um, I, I also think that the sort of political education is important because ultimately like a lot of the problems of the streaming era um, that musicians and music communities face um, are rooted in problems that existed before the streaming era that are sort of like issues that music and art have always faced that are now sort of like re-encoded in new ways. Um, and I think that one of the biggest problems is that there isn't a lot of like public support for music um, in terms of like public funding, like public programs that support music communities. So, um, you know, this is a little bit of a divergence from um, issues that UMA is taking up right now, but it is important thinking about music in this political and economic context for lots of reasons, one of which is um, it's important for us to think about like how um, our elected officials and political structures could be better supporting music and music communities. What do typical musicians' unions that already exist look like, and how does UMA stand out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that one of the reasons why um, a union like UMA um, was so you know desperately needed by the types of musicians who have started organizing around it is because there are musicians' unions that have existed historically um, for you know, musicians that operate more in the world just like um, classical or theater um, and the types of musicians that have um, been organizing within UMA really are more like freelance musicians. So there are musicians who might not necessarily um, find a place within an organization like um, AFM or like any kind of um, union that is um, more catering to the needs of, you know, full-time uh, theater or classical musicians. Um, so when I interviewed UMA um, earlier this year, you know, UMA members compared what they're doing sort of more to something like the um, Freelance Solidarity Project, which is a union of um, 
freelance writers and media workers. Um, so some, you know, Yuma is sort of more in the um, spirit of something like that than something like ASM, maybe. And um, as in the article, you know, um, one of the members of Yuma who I interviewed talks about how, like, the type of organizing that they're doing is sort of more like in the spirit of um, ongoing efforts to organize um, adjuncts and freelancers and geek workers in, in general. Um, and the organizing that Yuma has done, they've sort of like explicitly articulated it as in solidarity with like geek workers more generally. And like you mentioned before, many of the systemic issues that Yuma is focusing on aren't new, but how has 2020, how has COVID-19 and everything that happened this year expedited these needs and really pushed them into creating the group? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, a lot of what we were talking about earlier, the, the pandemic has affected different musicians in different ways, and there are a lot of different um ways to be a musician, but for the types of musicians that comprise Yuma, it really has been like the closure of venues um, that has sort of, um, you know, exacerbated the, the problems that they face, the, the fact that so, so many musicians rely um, solely on touring income as their main revenue source. Um, and yeah, like the, you know, the types of venues that a lot of Yuma musicians rely on are venues that, you know, have always relied on community support and venues that are, um, you know, have faced issues before the pandemic and hopefully will still be open when um, shows can safely happen again. For anyone looking uh, to get involved with Yuma or to learn more through your article, where can they go? Yeah, so UMA's website is theunionofmusicians.org, and um, in these times is inthesetimes.com, and um, you should be able to, to find it um, through there. And there's also, you know, um, other music organizing projects that are um, going on these days as well, like the um, Music Workers Alliance and other groups. So, um, yeah, definitely like any musicians who are um, interested in organizing efforts. Um, oh, there's there's definitely a, a wave of organizing musicians that is happening this year um, to tap into. Well, thanks so much, Liz. After this break, we'll be talking to Pauline Pisano, a head organizer with the New York State Poor People's Campaign.